0: be seated open open your word would you to um, your bibles and your phones open them to matthew 25 if you would to matthew 25 again we're we're continuing our study of the teachings of jesus in particular the teachings that he did in the form of parables and again i just challenge you to go back to those very first days last spring when we were beginning our study and and we realized that he spoke in parables for a particular reason and it was to to draw out those who were genuinely seeking truth and and the promise was that everyone who would respond to him everyone who would open their hearts and minds to the things that he would say and would hear and understand but many he realized would not and so again as we go back to the parables today I just pray that God would give you that, that heart to seek after him. Even if it means asking questions and, and seeking the truth, knowing that even as you seek the truth, you'll find it. The word of God from Matthew chapter 25. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Now recognize that, that Matthew has been gathering parables with a particular purpose here toward the end of his gospel. And, and he puts them together here because he wants us to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. And in particular, what the kingdom of heaven would require of us in these last days. So following the parable of the virgins where he challenged us, we looked at that before, to, to watch therefore, right? For you don't know the day or the hour that the Lord is returning. He continues that beginning in verse 14. For it, or the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Now, he who had received the five talents went at once, and it's a difficult word to translate, but traded or did business with those five talents. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. That sounds so odd to us, but... Remember, there's no banks in that day. That's a common thing. Even today, almost on a monthly basis, people are discovering buried treasure troves of people's personal things because that's that's what they did to protect it. The one who had one buried his master's treasure. Now, in verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants came and, look at this, settled accounts with them. In other words, he had entrusted his resources to them and now he has come back. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said those words that we so long to hear. Didn't he? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward. Saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. Excuse me, two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master, note this, said to him the same thing that he had said To the one who rewarded the master with five talents. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward. Saying master. I knew you. In other words, I've experienced you to be a hard man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. And he handed him one talent. And in a challenging thing to our contemporary understanding, the master answered him and said, You wicked and slothful. Servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown. Note that he didn't agree with him about his nature and character. He just said, you experienced me as someone who had not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming have received what was my own with interest. I'm stumbling because um, it was immoral for a follower of God to charge interest, right? And so he's saying something here. He's saying, you're not following God. So take the talent from him, the one who returned the master's one talent investment, and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, Hebrew code for that final judgment and and failing at that final judgment. May God bless to our understanding this his holy word. Amen. Amen. Well, wow, like we have done so many times, I want as we as we open our hearts and minds to God's truth through this parable, I want to think for a moment about the people that are in this parable. Um, Jesus, again, always told stories that people could relate to. And and if if we struggle sometimes to relate to them, it's because we haven't put ourselves in their place. But the people of the parable. First, the master. Right, the master went on a long journey. It's so interesting that in Luke's account of this uh, parable, he um, he tells slightly different details. Now, it could be because Jesus told the same story differently in different locations, or it could be that that um, the sources that Luke was using to write his gospel heard more of the story. But keep in mind that that. Uh, probably the one of the greatest tyrants that the people of Jesus' time were even aware of or had heard of was Herod the Great, right? Who backed the wrong horse in, uh, in a struggle for power over what we now call the Levant or Palestine or what we know of as now the land of Israel. And he put all his weight and support be, behind someone who um, ended up losing now, normally when, when someone lost, that person and all the people that supported him were put to death, right? But Herod did something. Herod the Great did something brazen. He went, he went all the way to Rome, to Caesar. And he stood before Caesar and, and owned the fact that he had backed the wrong horse. He said, I supported your enemies, but I want you to know this. I was loyal to that all the way to the end and i will be loyal to you herod went to rome to receive a kingship in the lucan account of this story the people sent a delegation to rome to say don't make him king right don't make him king they sent a delegation uh, but, but Herod still, excuse me, but Caesar still did. And Herod became Herod the Great, the builder, the tyrant, the one who ruled over Jesus, ultimately the one who put the babies of Bethlehem to death. I'm sorry, my thing keeps falling off my ear here. Um, he put the babies of Bethlehem to death uh, somewhere around 4 BC, right? So, so Jesus is telling a story that they are familiar with. In fact, it's a double story because the same thing happened roughly 30 years later that one of Herod's sons went to Rome to receive the kingship, to beg for the kingship, and didn't get it and did not get it. So they all understand completely what's going on here. There's no certainty that this master will ever return. There's no certainty that all this treasure that he has entrusted to us will ever be held uh, accountable, right? That will ever be held accountable for this. So Jesus is saying something to them that is very real. The master went on a long journey and could return at any time, any moment. But he entrusted to others and, and in Matthew specifically to his servants, his property now no let's think about those servants for a second right what is it that the master has entrusted to them the word you see in your in your bible is the word talent and again our minds immediately and, and probably correctly jump to this idea of abilities right but know that there's a history to that word as well that a talent originally was just a weight it was a weight but, but it's such a huge weight that, that it wasn't used that often. And soon it became uh, known for uh, its meaning uh, a certain weight of silver. Of silver. And in particular, it was the equivalent of 6,000. I'm going to use a, um, a word I don't need to use, denarii or days wages. It was the equivalent of 6,000 days wages wages isn't that astounding so uh, this is no small potatoes i uh, think about at whatever point in your life you want to choose you can choose like when i started at mcdonald's it was 165 an hour right um or, or my my current my current rate if i if i did the math right at my current rate six thousand days of wages would be roughly um 24 years of wages or 1.2 million dollars and he didn't well he entrusted to one five times that amount he entrusted to another two times that amount he entrusted to a third that amount it's a huge sum of money right and each was entrusted What is the master's according to his... There's a strange dynamic, right? That doesn't get replicated in the Lucan account of this. But here he gives one person five times, one person two times, and one person one time. I was thinking as our musicians were up here, um, I'm privileged to sneak in here um, on Sunday mornings and, and sit in on their final rehearsal before our worship team, before our worship service. And I was watching them, and, and, and different ones have different responsibilities. It's really interesting and and someone like me comes in and I have to just understand a couple of choruses, right? One talent right someone like like um, like some of our instrumentalists have to have to play and, and understand and, and be gifted on an instrument as well as understanding the choruses. but some of them are not only playing and, and understanding the direction of the worship service, but, but they're also singing at the same time. And they do it so easy, right? Don't they do a great job of that? I mean, it's just amazing. They make it look so easy. But, but it is not easy. It is not. A couple of times um, I've been in that situation where I was singing and playing piano and doing all these kinds, and, and I got overwhelmed I just was astounded. Um, the master gave different abilities. I have trouble chewing gum and walking at the same time, right? And some of these guys, yeah, they're, they're singing. They're doing all these things at once. And then just to be me and Kristen threw a modulation in on them where the whole thing jumped a, a whole key. And some of them were doing it from memory, how to play, in the, not in the music. It's just astounding to me. I'm sorry for that long thing. I was just overwhelmed as I saw what they do every day in and out. Um, not all of us are able to do what they do, but all of us are able to do something, right? Everyone got something. And, and did you notice between the ones that got five and the ones that got two uh, times the, this, this treasure, um, no matter no matter how much they returned to the master, he said the same thing. Well done. Good and faithful servant. I don't know if you're like me and sometimes you see so much talent and you say, I just... God, I I would love to have that much ability, right? It reminded me of... James one. James one just an amazing chapter, but James says every good and perfect gift is from above, right? God gives every one. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Where are you? In this parable, each of us is like one of those servants. And we have been entrusted to this very great treasure. Yes, it translates, in the story it translates to, to monetary, because most of us understand monetary better than we understand other things. But it is not wrong to understand it as as ability, God-given abilities, right? It's not Wrong to understand it as spiritual giftedness. Those things that you receive when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the express purpose of building up the body of Christ. Different people receive different amounts. The question is not what amount did you get or do you have. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do with what God has given you? Then brings up this issue here of the nature of and character, um, the servant of God. Right? He said it twice, and and we're so familiar with it, but it gets it's really easy to overlook what he's saying. He says, "Good, good servant, good servant." Right? And the reason that that's so crazy that Jesus would say God speaks this, the Master speaks this to us, is because we know. Jesus said himself that no one is good but God alone. Right? And and it's conceivable, I guess, that there could be someone in the room who says, I, I, no, I'm a basically a good person, right? Well, it's, my question would be who are you comparing yourself to, right? When we compare ourselves with ourselves or with one another, we're not wise. We're not wise. The invitation is to stand in the light of God's glory. Let God be our standard. Not not the bell curve or, or the average of those around us. No one is good but God alone. The psalmist echoes this in Psalm 14, 2 and 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand. The Lord's looking down to see if there's any who seek after Him, right? And they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. Not even one. So, so do you understand the impact of the master saying good and faithful servant, right? When, when the Lord comes again, the final evaluation will be made. And though we were never able to say in this life, we were good. God can say it of us. And I don't know about you, but that makes me hungry to say, how can I be living my life in such a way that God says to me, good servant, when we come to the end? In Mark 10, 18, Jesus says, why do you call me good? There is no one good but God alone. Is the master saying you have become God. I don't think so. There's only one God. The Lord is one. Amen. Amen. Um, I think he's saying you have become like me. You have become like me. The servant has become like the master. The Hebrew word, right? For disciple is one who is like their master. And I think what he's saying is that, that you have become like me. By the way, that makes it so hard then when it gets to the last servant. Because clearly then the last servant had not become like the master. In fact, we can make a strong case for saying that that servant did not understand the master at all. And let me just press pause for a second and say, are you operating out of your nature or his? I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I was thinking again about that silly soccer game, you know, I, th- I kind of think I'm mature and I've grown and gotten gotten better. And then <clears throat> the ref makes a couple of bad calls, and I'm I'm embarrassing the whole stands. I, my response: No, nah, I was operating on my nature. Beloved, you have that opportunity right now to choose to choose the source of your response. Choose Him. Choose goodness second question I want to ask you is what part of your nature or character is yet unsurrendered to Jesus, right? What part is unsurrendered to Jesus? I share with you in many of my struggles to control myself when when I've lost it, it was because oftentimes I was afraid. Did you hear what the third servant said here? I was afraid. I have experienced you as a hard and difficult man, demanding what you did not uh, sow and, and harvesting what you did not reap. And so I was afraid and I buried it on the ground, right? What part of your nature and character is yet unsurrendered to Jesus? Are you living in fear? Because fear will make you do things that dishonor who you were created to be. Fear will make you do things that dishonor God. The nature and character of a servant of God by this passage is one who is good, has become good by becoming like the master. But there's another word there too, isn't there? Faithful. Faithful. What does it mean? To become like the Master, it means to become, and we over and over again in our worship service, you are faithful and God is faithful. What He's inviting us into is to become like Him in His faithfulness too. So He entrusts to us astounding things, right? Astounding responsibility. Do you remember when we did the reverse offering here? Uh, many years ago, do you remember that? We had little envelopes with different amounts, by the way, of money in the envelopes. And and we did a reverse offering. and passed the plate and asked you to take the, the offering, then to invest that during our season of our study of the parables. To take that and invest it for the kingdom of God. And it was so fascinating to see what people did with that. Some just put it in the bank. Yeah. After after eight weeks, what will um, interest on five dollars be? <laughs> um, some people combined their resources, really cool, and 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 then invested those together. But it was a fascinating experience. God has entrusted to you a minimal, a minimum, of a lifetime to invest for Him. How do you get a lifetime out of 24 years? Well, the average lifespan in those days was 39. 39. What we're talking about is a lifetime. God has entrusted to us a minimum of a lifetime to invest for him. How are we doing? How are we doing? Don't be overwhelmed uh, by the magnitude of the trust that God has placed in you. I love Eugene Peterson. In his his study of the prophet Jeremiah, he wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's not about doing something spectacular this afternoon on the stock market to somehow be able to hand Jesus, right? No. It's about a lifetime of faithfulness. And by faithfulness, I mean when you fall down, you get back up, not because of your worthiness, but because of His. Faithfulness, a lifetime of faithfulness is believing that God is who He says He is. Believing that the Master, Jesus, is who He says He is. What is the nature and character of a servant of Jesus? Good, because we become like Him. And faithful, because we become like Him. But I want you to note also that that they had different responses. I want to think about the response of a servant of God, right? And again, we have to think about this word talent. And I love it that in English it actually means this larger meaning of abilities, right? The resources of the master were entrusted to each according to her, his or her abilities, Right? to their abilities i want you to think in several categories just a quick summation i want you to think about your natural abilities that's so much fun with grandchildren because they they right out of the womb are different right they have different characteristics they have different um, abilities um, some uh, talk right away some don't talk for like matthew didn't talk for a couple of years much at all right their God-given natural abilities are different. But think also of your spiritual giftedness. That, that when you became a follower of Jesus, it's not in the notes, but, but when you became a follower of Jesus, you were given gifts for the edification of the body. And everyone was given at least one. How are you doing with those things? Now, some of you right now are saying, I'm not sure I know what those are. Let us help you. Let us help you. Because because you could spend a lot of energy in things that were not your giftedness, right? And and have it come to naught, Or you can spend a little energy in something that is your giftedness, either natural or spiritual, and, and bear much fruit. The kingdom of God. So think about these different natural and supernatural abilities, right? And ask yourself the question how am I using my abilities that God has given me for the kingdom of God? My natural ones, my supernatural ones. How am I using Those abilities for the kingdom of God. The answer will surprise you. You probably immediately started to think about church things. But but there's no such thing as as church as an hour on Sunday morning. We are the church 24 hours a day in every field that the Lord has placed us. So my invitation to you is think deeply about how God can glorify himself through you in each of those places. But besides your abilities, known or unknown, that you have, I want to think beyond that also to your response abilities. Now, I'm playing with words here in English, not in the original language here. I'm playing with words, but I think it's helpful to think about that. Sometimes you are, are required or invited to do something that you, is not in your, in your um, natural gift mix or even your spiritual gift mix but you are there and there is a need right uh and and so you have the ability to respond what are you doing with your response abilities right think about think about parenting right one of the struggles of our culture right now people who have responsibility you say i'm not good at this well i'm not either right I held up my, my newest grandchild, right? And he barfed all over me right away. And, I, and I'm thinking, what do I do, right? What do I do? But you do, you do. I have the ability to respond. And so so there is this other core meaning to the word. Where periodically God entrusts circumcised outside your normal abilities to which you can respond. Believing that if God has entrusted to us the circumstance. then he can be glorified in our response. My suspicion is that somewhere in the next 48 hours you'll be in a situation like that. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you and remind you of these words right here. And you'll have to ask yourself... No, it's not my comfort zone. It's not my gift mix. It's not on my Enneagram chart. It is. It is just a circumstance that I have the opportunity to respond. To so ask yourself a couple of questions here, if you would. To what needs has God given you the ability to respond? Right. To what needs has God given you the ability to respond? The second question that's helpful for me is this. What can I do out of the overflow of all that God has done for me? For 25 years, I've been involved in nursing homes, not because it was the primary area of my responsibility, but because um, the things that I naturally do are received well there. I practice on Tuesdays this message three times. Three different groups of people, and, and 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 because I'm already preparing for it, I can do it out of the overflow, right? It's not it's not out of my ability, it's out of my ability to respond. What what can you do? Well, well, I know that some of you are doing this. Uh, every every once in a while, uh, my doorbell rudely rings, and, and someone shows up on my doorstep with with vegetables, right? And I and I I, I have a vegetable garden. And and I've gotten like one deformed zucchini and and these dried up cherry tomatoes out of it, right? Uh, I can't I can't garden to save my life, right? But someone else gardens really well, right? And just shows up bag after bag of of a vegetable because it's out of the overflow of what he can do. Another one I shared with you a couple of weeks ago um, just fixes mowers, and all of you going, give me his name and number, right? Um, he just fixes mowers, right? And so, so I, I was just absolutely stymied. The neighbors had watched me lying on my back in my mother-in-law's driveway just, just trying to fix his mower. And I said, well, can you just come by and take a look at this thing for me? And he came by and, and said, let me take it with me. I, I cleaned up. I went in the house, and the phone rang. And he said, I've got it fixed. I'm, are you there? I'll bring it back, right? Um, that he, that he just does that. What is your... What is your vegetable? What is your mower? What what can you do freely out of the overflow of everything that God has done for you? Offer it. Offer it for the kingdom of God. And maybe, just maybe, you will bless other people like my family has been blessed. We looked at the nature and character of a servant. But we looked also at the response of the servant of God. Now I want to ask you about the test of a, certain, of a servant of God. We've looked at the word abilities. We've looked at the word responsibility. Right? There's another word that's very important here. And it's the word accountability. Right? The test of the servant of God is that the master is going to return. And the master is going to say, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? What did you do with what I entrusted to you? Someday the Lord is going to return. Oh, there are many who like in the days of Herod the Great or even of his son Archelaus are, are betting that, that the master is not going to return, right? They're betting that he's not going to come back. But Beloved, let me say this with as much clarity as I possibly can. Come on up, worship team if you would. Jesus is coming again, right? Hallelujah. He is coming. If I go to prepare a place for you, he said, I will return so that you may be where I am. John chapter 14, right? Jesus is coming again, and I'm going to add one more word to that. He's coming again soon. He's coming again soon. And so we're going to give an account for what he has entrusted to us. Again, you're saying, I am, what does he entrusted to me? I have nothing. I am nothing. No. You have everything and you are a child of God. And so, so let's live as children of God. Let's, let's live good and faithful lives and trust on that day when the Lord returns. He returns will reward us. Note what he did, by the way. I don't think this is in the notes, but what he rewarded them with was more responsibility. Forget all that stuff about playing harps in heaven, right? What the reward of the good and faithful servant is more responsibility. Now, now, wait a second, he's come back, right? So now we're talking about responsibility in heaven. Do you remember when he said to the disciples, you are going to sit on 12 thrones and judge the people of Israel, right? Oh my gosh. God is not done with us yet and he won't be done with us when he comes again. What are you doing? Well, let me just give a couple questions. These come from our from our um, toolbox, the DBS toolbox. Ask yourself these questions. Do I have ears to hear? Do I have ears to hear? Am I... Am I hearing the words and they're uh, my parents but it's going in one ear and out the other right and echoing a little bit in the chamber in between right um and and the test of whether you had ears to hear in in the biblical understanding was did you respond did you do something about it so the next question i love from our from our Discovery Bible studies is, if I believe this to be true, let me ask you point blank. If you believe that God has entrusted to you at least one ability, supernatural and natural, and that God has entrusted to you the treasures of the kingdom of God, if you believe that to be true, what would you need to do? If you believe that it's true that he's coming again soon, what would you need to do, Right? i love about that question by the way is no matter where you are on the journey if you are not yet at that place where you have entrusted your life to jesus the question is still very real maybe what you need to do is to believe the words of the master and surrender your life to him do i have ears to hear If I believe this to be true, what would I need to do? And lastly, who will I ask to hold me accountable? Who will I ask to hold me accountable? God put us together to experience the comfort and the support and encouragement from one another, right? But also so that we can, as iron sharpens iron, hold one another accountable. Invite each other into a deeper commitment in our relationship with Christ. So I want to invite you, even as we, as we close our worship service here today. What are the things that you are saying for the kingdom of God what are the things that you are doing how are you living your life in a way that that brings god joy right the gift the gift of grandparents is is that they've learned that it's a joyful thing to love others unconditionally it's a joyful thing to invest in other children's lives right At the end of the day when all is said and done what will be the aftertaste of your life what will be the the song that echoes in other people's hearts as a result of your life no oh god Thank you that you have entrusted to us so great a treasure. You have entrusted to us the gospel. And God, you have given us the ability to respond to that gospel. I pray for those who have not yet responded that today would be the day of salvation, that today would be the day that they said, Jesus, I'm tired of living my life for myself. I'm tired of living in fear. I surrender all that I am and all that I have and all that I can do I surrender to you God let the legacy of my life be goodness and faithfulness God let the legacy of my life be an invitation of yours to joy and God may may my life bring glory and honor may my life Sing to you. We ask it in Jesus' name.